Welcome to The Coaching Podcast with Simon Blair and Emma Doyle, the show that explores how to coach for success in both sport and business. Simon is owner and founder of Five Degrees and is a customer experience coach specializing in sales and customer service for contact centers. Emma is a performance coach, mentor and speaker with more than 20 years experience in coach education, both in Australia and around the world. In this episode of The Coaching Podcast, Emma interviews our featured guest, Bill Riddle. Bill has been a tennis teaching professional and coach for over 28 years at all levels. For the last 20 years, he has served as the Director of Tennis at the Bluegrass Yacht and Country Club in Nashville, Tennessee, overseeing all aspects of the tennis program on and off the court. Recognized as a high-performance coach by the USTA, PTR and USPTA, Bill has coached and organized adult and junior tennis camps across the globe. No stranger to entertainment, Bill has done TV commentating for professional tennis events, had a weekly tennis radio show, and he's one of the more prolific tennis coaches on social media globally. Emma caught up with Bill for this interview earlier this year during the Coaches Conference at Melbourne Park, just prior to the start of the Australian Open. Hello and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. I'm Emma Doyle here with my good friend Bill Riddle from Nashville, Tennessee, the Bluegrass Yacht and Country Club. Um, we've done a lot of great things together. You're, you're an excellent um, speaker, coach, friend, mentor. Um, a lot of things to a lot of people. So it's so fantastic to have you in Melbourne. Finally, you're in my town. Um, so first question is the Vegemite question. You either love it or you hate it. What's your take, Bill Riddle? Oh, goodness. I'm not really a big fan. Okay. It's a little gritty. So I can't really do it. I tried it. I did. Yeah. I really tried it, but it was it was tough. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So in that yeah. case, could because you answered that way, we have to follow up then with um perhaps one of your your you know a coaching moment that didn't go so well. But what, what were the lessons in that, either as a player for you or or as a or as a coach? Um, something that kind of didn't go well. You know, for for me early on was kind of getting over nerves. Yeah. And learning how to deal with those nerves. Um, I'll be honest with you, I struggled being in front of people and and finally just kind of had to embrace it and put my arms around it and say you know what this can either limit you for, in everything you do or you can just just take the plunge mm-hmm. and it was funny how that um, helped me in other aspects of life it's just working through some of those interferes that we all have yeah, uh, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's speaking in front of somebody or it's whatever it could be um, you know you just have to kind of embrace that. Yeah, I remember my first presentation. I, I learnt it word for word. It could have been the worst worst thing I ever ever did. So I'm sure we've all been there before. Oh yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, the next one is this sliding doors question, okay. where you think your life's heading one way, and all of a sudden something happens. Right. You end up turning left instead of right. Is it? Is there a moment that comes to mind to you? You, you know, for me, it, it was a, a car accident coming out of high school that. You know, my life was, uh, my all my thoughts were, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to play football, and I'm going to do, I'm going to go to art school, and I'm going to do all these things, because I had it all planned out, and then I got into a car accident, and it changed my life, and it, it allowed me to bring tennis into my life, which has literally taken me all over the world, um, and, wow. and even though it was uh, kind of a, a bad accident, it, it literally was the best thing ever happened to me, because it led me to so many things in life yeah yeah, and you, yeah sometimes you don't realize the bad things can be turned into positives yeah yeah um in a one to a maximum of three words okay what makes a great coach passion passion and passion i, I think those three are, are it yeah 
Yeah. Uh, you have to you love have plenty of it. You, yeah. <laughs> I think you, you have to you have to be passionate about something in life, mm. and mm. whether it's coaching or uh, chasing wild women, whatever it is, just be good at it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Great stuff, Emma. That was uh, a short but sweet interview with uh, Bill, I believe, when he was here for the Australian Open, the coaches conference. Yeah, it was great to finally have him in my hometown because I'm certainly, you know, I've been to his hometown more more than he has with me. But do you know, actually, well, you wouldn't know, but we, we went to university, the same university, Middle Tennessee State University. We didn't even know each other. So wow. isn't that's interesting in itself. And then um, it was about five years ago where literally I was at a tennis conference in Atlanta and uh, I, I had a couple of days and I needed to get a flight out of Nashville. And um, and he was he was going, you know, he was obviously driving back up that way. And then I had that moment where I was like, is he like, who is this? You know, I was on I was on Google, like, you know, stalking him going, who is this guy to make sure he, he wasn't, you know, some sort of weirdo and I, I could catch a lift up to Nashville with him and and in the end, I know it's a good story. Who but is Bill Riddle? Yeah, exactly. Came, and, and you know what? It, there was a lot of information on him. So I was yeah, pretty yeah. safe. Um, he does a lot of great work with um, you know, his, his club at the, the Bluegrass Yacht and Country Club. They're in Nashville and mm. uh, around charity work with um, being in the in the music capital of the world, really, and, yeah. you know. And he's always doing uh, events. He's, he's a master mm. of social media. and Well, I've and, seen, I must say, I've um, seen a lot of his stuff uh, online. Which uh, for a non-tennis person like me, that's uh, that's pretty Same remarkable. So yeah, yeah, yeah um, the reach and it's uh, it's he's very prolific and you know fascinated by obviously what he mentioned around the the fear yeah. that, he, that he had with public speaking yeah, and, and he, now look at what he's doing and he's, it's he's larger than life, incredible. but isn't that amazing? You know, overcome with nerves mm. now. This is something you know we we haven't spoke a lot about on the show mm. actually previously because. It does really cripple people. Oh, well, people fear it worse than death and... Yeah, well, they say second. Second to death, I believe, is, is public speaking. Death and taxes and... <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are, you know, can really... But not just public speaking. It could be whatever it is that um, that fear holds people back, yeah, doesn't it? of course. Oh, it can be debilitating. It really can. And it's the ability to um, deal with fear and conquer fear that is... Uh, to get stuff done, yeah, um, is when when you can, when you find ways through, and I suppose even when you have a taste for it, once you've started, you found something really challenging, and the first time you sort of have those breakthroughs, I think it just makes the second the second time easier, yeah. even if the fear is still there, but you can trust, you can trust a process. Um, so so it doesn't sh- overwhelm you. Yeah. So you know, in in the mode of sharing as we do yes. on this on this podcast, I, I mentioned it on the interview, so of course I have to now expand expand on the story, but. Pretty funny. In, in 2001, I got asked to do my first ever um, presentation at the Australian Open Coaches Conference. So fortunately, since then, I have done about five or six more more in the recent years. But 2001, it was marketing small business. And I started my business, Tennis Innovations. And in, you know, in two years, it had grown from basically two clients you know, to around 300. And, and so I got offered this, this opportunity. And I was like, oh. Fantastic. Wow. So, of course, I spent hours and months in preparation for this, you know, for, by the way, it was only, um, I think it was seven minutes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a, so, you know, exactly. Because I was so yeah. afraid. So, you over, and, did you over prepare? Oh, 
understatement, A, B, not only did I underprepare, imagine preparing for that long for that length of time. Mm. I memorised the entire presentation word for word. Mm. It was the worst presentation I've ever done. Yep. It was bland, dry, boring, and just... And if you forget your spot, where you're at, or what's yeah. coming next, you just... Can freeze. Freeze. Yeah. And while that didn't, like, obviously I got a, maybe I even got away with it. I don't, maybe yeah, people yeah. watching it might not have known yeah. what, you know, what I knew, but that was just, you know, I, I walked off from that and thought I'm never doing a presentation like that again. That wasn't, it, it wasn't me. It wasn't authentic Emma Doyle mm. style. And I haven't. And since then I have my cue cards, you know, my, my yeah, palm cards. Prompts. Yeah. Um, which by the way, I'd, I'd love to, to share that. I have, um, you know, you know, acronyms. Yeah, yeah, you you're gonna go. You here we go. Acronym. You're gonna go. Here Come she on. goes again. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're, in, you're saying it, but here we go. Come <laughs> on, hit me with it. But uh, but I I write all my presentations now on down on palm cards, just with with the little the cues. And so yes. I thought, well, what a great way for other people wanting to be become presenters. I'm sure some people listening to this would love to be speaking. I'd love more female um, tennis coaches out there. If you want to become a a speaker, we need we need some more um, female speakers out there. Um, so I, P stands for pump up the audience. Yep. So start by, as you know, as you've mentioned, get the audience involved, pump up the region, find out something about, like I'm presenting in Rome mm. next week. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, right. I'm going to have to start with something around. Have questions, ask questions. Yeah, and the get... local, the local um, something around the, the about the, the tournament itself yeah. and, and show interest in, in the place. Um, and then uh, A is, uh, again, similar to that. So after you kind of pump up the region, it's about the audience It's a, or it's about the players. It's mm. about who am I coaching, who's my audience, and, again, what mm. we, we always talk about, listen to the their needs um, before I can then M stands. Um, the P. Well, have I got the letters right? I just you had a moment with there. P. Yeah, yeah. P palm. 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 Oh, yeah, sorry. I oh, know. I skipped a letter, see? Lucky, oh, she's undoing herself with no. her own acronyms. Here we go. Start again. I love it. <laughs> pump up the region. It's about the audience or about pump the Pump up the region, L, yes. L is love what you do. Love what you do. So right. if you love what you do, it'll come out in your voice, in your presentation. And then M stands for if it's a workshop, it's mix the audience or get them to share with the person next to them. So, yeah, yeah. you know, more so in a maybe in a workshop or a training environment. Yeah. Um, so back to Bill Riddle, but I just, <laughs> I, you know, Bill won't Sorry. mind. No, Bill won't mind. I love Bill. Oh, and, so and hang on. What's the acronym again? I'm confused. Palm. P. Palm. No, no, but what's the letter? P, obviously. P, pump P. up the region. Yep. A, about the audience or about the players. A. Oh, P-A. I thought A. it was P-A. Palm. Right? Palm. The oh, I... word palm. <laughs> because I write all my presentations Sorry. on a palm card. I'm with you now. Okay. Come back to me, Simon. <sighs> Come back to me. <laughs> I got it. Um, Hello. No, maybe other people might not have got it either. So I'm glad that you you asked me to redo Sorry. it, right? And then L, love what you do, and then M, mix yep, mix the audience. Yep. And if it's a presentation, M stands for motivate. Yes. So it depends whether you got the training hat on or workshop hat on, or do you have your you know your your yep. your um, presentation where you're delivering. Uh, more so a um, a topic. Sorry, when you so, when you were talking about the uh, uh, about the audience, yeah. uh, don't do what Axel Rose recently did in the Guns N' Roses concert in Melbourne, where he thanked Sydney. <laughs> Ouch! Yeah, that's going to go down really well with Melbourneians Oops. as well. Yeah. Don't make that mistake. Just remember where you are. And the fact, I guess, even with Bill now, you know, he travels around the world and speaks in front of many many people, and yep. for him. 
he his defining moment there is actually, which actually, you know, even though he mentioned it as his worst coaching moment became his best coaching moment, was actually just jump in and have a go. So he just, you know, he says just do it. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. there's many different techniques, um, but sometimes just actually jumping in. Oh, well, I can tell what, you from personal yeah, experience. Yeah, what's your to it's, please? It's, it is uh, doing it as, as many times as you can and each time gets better. Yeah. And, and once you've done it enough at volume, um, the fear the fear goes away because the envi- you're actually comfortable in the environment. It's familiar. And um, what's interesting from my – because, I, you know, I was a shy kid. It's only through my um, working life as an adult – that I've sort of um, transitioned into more of an extroverted personality because of coaching, because of training and being exposed to those environments of, uh, you know, dealing with groups. And uh, and when you have those moments as you develop and you get comfortable and you're skilled in what you do and you stick to what you know, and I think that's a critical um, thing for public speaking as well, especially if you get audience participation, is don't try to think you have to answer all the questions. If it's something that's not core to your expertise, don't even go there. Mm. That's where you get often get caught out. Or, or say, hey, it's okay also to go, you know yeah, what? That's I, not, I'm yeah. going to actually post something about that on my face. I'll do some research on that for you and I'll get back to you totally. or I'll tap into somebody who's an expert in that field and, totally. and I'll, I'll get back to you. Which is a technique I use a lot because in the – Often in the training sessions I do in the business context, you know, you get bombarded with uh, with questions. So I suppose one of the one of the things I've I figured out because it goes hand in hand with what I teach anyway in terms of communication and uh, sales and customer service. So, and I think it applies quite well as a technique that I've used um, to prepare for say more daunting, bigger sort of sessions. Is and it comes back to the preparation and having a method and many ways to skin a cat, but um, having structure, having you, – you prepare for your, your, the structure and the flow. So a good intro and, you know, to, to create a great first impression and then some sort of interactivity and managing expectations for the audience and sticking to what you know. But if you have structure, then you've got those things you can hold on to during the, the session and then just trust that you you know what you're talking about and you are expert and providing you've got structure for the for the flow, um, I think that's that's where you can um, sort of navigate your way through most situations. But breathing, we always go back to breathing. When it comes to the fear and the nerves, then you know those three deep breaths, the diaphragm breathing, can just take that take that edge off. Um, but just get in and, and try it. And we know what it's like when we're on the other side in the audience watching people speak. And I think this is the psychological key. Because the, where does the fear come from? It's the fear of being, you give too much credence to what others think of you. So stop giving stuff what others think think about you. And because um, you know what it's like when you're in an audience, you just want the best for the speaker. You you're, you want it to go well. So there's so much goodwill that sits in, sits in an audience anyway. And um, I suppose tap into that energy and, and don't stress. If you make mistakes, move on. Or own it, as, own as it. you said. Because recently. no one, no one really cares. Yeah, no pe- one cares that much. They're thinking about themselves more so than you. And, and people don't so, even actually realize you make a mistake. But no, exactly. interesting around fear. I think uh, I had again um, uh, part one of my chat chat with Roger Federer. As I asked him, he was playing first round the Aussie Open. He was playing an Australian wildcard um, yeah. a couple of years ago, and I said, "Do you still feel nervous? Do you still experience mm-hmm. nerves?" 
And he said, yeah, there's mm. just different levels. And I, I can relate to that um, too with presentations. So yeah. even if I'm doing a, a small presentation in front of five, seven people, yeah. you know, it's, I think also nerves come when you care. It's the thrill. It's it, because you want it to be right. You want it to be good. It's the nervous. It's the difference between, I suppose, debilitating fear and, and nervous, nervous energy. Nervous energy. Yeah. And we all, whether it's, you know, hacks like me in amateur sport or people like yourself who have been in a professional realm where, you know, the, or a Roger Federer, you know, it's the, it's the, the competition itself, isn't it? Yeah. There's something absolutely. on the line. And everyone experiences um, it. Yeah, sure, there's different degrees. But I think what Bill's message is, you know, pretty simple. Yep. Have a go. Yep, exactly. And, and get um, in and do it. Just like we've done with the podcast. Absolutely. And, and try stuff, jump in, do it. Strength to strength. It's yep. really, it's been, you know, it's been one of the best experiences. Uh, even we talk about improving and getting better. Yeah. Certainly from episode one to, to where we're at today, Absolutely. I know I'm doing so much self-reflection around uh, pausing and in, in tone and speech. So I'm glad um, one of us is. <laughs> <laughs> No, absolutely, Simon. I'm just making it up as I go along. Oh, Have you don't noticed? listen to him. Oh. Yeah. Such an Aussie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You're listening to The Coaching Podcast, brought to you by 5 Degrees, Australia's number one in call quality monitoring and coaching for contact centres. Visit 5 Degrees, spelled F-I-V-E, at 5degrees.com.au to find out how you can supercharge your sales and customer service efforts. And The Coaching Podcast, also brought to you with thanks to Emma Doyle, international speaker, mentor, and performance coach, specialising in communication, women in leadership, and coach education for players, parents, clubs, schools and coaches right around the world. Visit emmadoyle.com.au and discover your inner coach today. Moving into the sliding doors (laughs) moment with Bill. Yes. He uh, he is a big guy. He's he's made to play um, American football. Yep. If you meet him, you think, yep, I can imagine you in, in the scrum with the big, you know, the shoulder pads would be even b- bigger than his shoulders so are, scrum, are now. Scrum is American football. No, that's definitely that? not a scrum term. <laughs> no. What is the term? Uh, the, the pack. <laughs> I'm, just, we, okay. I'm just making it up okay, now. Again, another good edit needed because we're going to have a lot of American Sorry, we're talking Ameri- we are talking American football. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so maybe Bill, maybe someone in our audience can help us out. But Bill's a great linebacker, right? Or front, anyway, whatever. We won't <laughs> we won't go to NFL terms. But um, my point being is that obviously, you know, he does have quite a, a, a severe car accident, which is is yep. no laughing matter, and it is life changing, and it's it's life threatening, it's life altering. To think that you're going to go to a college to play football, and then Tennis comes into your life to fast forward mm. 20 years later big and you're traveling around the world. This is your passion mm. and this is what you do for a living and you get to do this every day. And he's so visible in what he does because of the, the social media. And he and loves he it. puts it himself out there. Yeah. oozes out of him. Yeah. And I just think another a great opportunity for us when we really t- look at you know, those moments, those sliding door moments that actually were negative. It's a bit similar to our, the worst coaching moments. We often are in that question mm. on, the, on the coaching podcast. It can, the, the amazing flip stories in that that we've heard um, yeah. through this podcast has been, has been really something. So, you know, thank you, Bill, for sharing something, you know, that I know was not an easy time. 
and it was a long time ago, but look look how it's catapulted your career and look where you are today. Absolutely. And just from an independent observer who doesn't know Bill, but just seen some of his output, um, actually saw an interview that I, I shared on the our show page, uh, an interview that he uh, he did with you that's there on camera. The volume of output, he just gets in and does it. And so therefore that puts him ahead of a hell of a lot of others by just doing. And and I think that's a great... Um, uh, There's a lot to be said. A lot to be said for take, it. Taking yeah. action. Yeah, exactly. And what makes a great coach? Passion. 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 Don't know what he's talking about. Oh, we've done that one before, haven't we? <laughs> well, um, I, I didn't know whether you were going to break out and sing it maybe. No. No, no. No, that's, no. No, no, no. You're the guitar man. I'm the singer. Passion. No, no, no. Passion. Well, passion. Right. I will have passion, to shoot. Hang on. Insert audio clip here. Who's the singer now, Emma? <laughs> anyway, any opportunity for me to uh, promote myself uh, with my singing Musical. guitar playing? <laughs> it's not but just... I like your enthusiasm and passion for singing. It's not about, no, I'm not going to say anymore, your passion is infectious. <laughs> Another good edit needed for this episode. Sorry. Passion, passion, passion. Um, he says it not just once. Yep. Look, obviously there's a whole lot of other stuff that he knows is important, but at the end of the day, I think he's what I took from what him making that the thing, the, the three things, is uh, that that's without that, it ain't going to work. And um, it oozes out of him. Because it oozes out. And, and what you said before around action, well, the action that won't come and to sustain it, to sustain the activity, to create a, a presence, uh, say, in the social media space, uh, build a brand, um, which, you know, a lot of our coaches out there, it's, we've got our businesses that we, we need to develop and we want to, we need to get clients. And so that comes back to the hard work. And if you don't have the passion for what you do, you're just not going to be able to sustain it. And you'll, it just won't, it won't, you won't achieve the success that you're, you're striving for if you have big ambitions. So, Absolutely. Uh, and I've seen that in, in the work that he, he does and his passion is his front and centre. Uh, and really cuts through in in his uh, videos and uh, and online material. And so. he's also passionate, you know, across across the age groups as well. Um, which, of course, is probably now's a good time to listen to his question that he's got for us. Speaking yeah, of age groups, absolutely. Lastly, is there a question that you have of the coaching podcast? Something you'd like to ask successful coaches, entrepreneurs, business business people? What, what's the one thing that you want to ask us to um, to discuss? Yeah, I mean, it'd be fun to get people's take on, you know, where we're going with kids nowadays. You know, because the attention span is so so short. Um, how do we get around this? Um, because it's it's a, a problem. It could be a bigger problem if we don't address it. I mean, I see it uh, in kids every day, and and I know we've got all this new technology and things like that. But how do we become better at dealing with that and and helping channel not only kids but adults as well? Mm-hmm. It'd be a good topic. Thank you so much for being on the show. Can't wait to discuss your question, and uh, I'll see you again soon. Awesome. Thank you very much. So Emma, his question around. Uh, 
kids of today, the generation, current generation. Uh, Which, by the way, do you know what it's called? Is anyone our listeners uh, out there? Here's a, we I, should do it. Well, I, I hate label, generational labels, especially how it's done, done to death in mod, modern times it and is, assumptions is. that get made, putting everyone into boxes, the generaliser. It's just, you know. This is true. Like old people that can't use technology and young people are all about technology and they're completely distracted by technology. Self-limiting beliefs. Blah, blah, blah. So anyway, is it Gen Z? After Z. Oh, is there a new one? There's a new one. Yeah, Mm. it goes back to A, which is um, Generation Alpha. Generation Alpha. First time I've heard that. There you go. There 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 you go. Now, now, again, I'm not putting anyone in a box, but all I'm saying, see, this is something I'm really fascinated in because Mm. obviously we need to constantly think about the future yeah. and how a kid's going to be learning and because fundamentally I believe that kids you know kids have a change like now we just have labels like you said like ADHD totally. or you know but there was you always over, you can overanalyze there it, was so. always ADHD kids you think back yeah, to when absolutely. You know, we just, just wasn't diagnosed there wasn't a label for it right so, <laughs> called them troublemakers <laughs> no no we didn't all, not all <laughs> no no I mean I think anyway that's probably no, but I'm another. talking. I'm talking about just just pop, not not in co- as coaches. I'm just talking about in in Teachers. in life. Kids that acted up. Oh right, right. Yes, we're known as troublemakers. we're known as troublemakers. Okay. We're now it's... so there maybe is a label. Maybe we can't get away from labels. Anyway, <laughs> back to the back to Bill's point, which is about the kids of the future, and he says adults as well. So this yes. next generation, where are we going? And he brings up attention span Mm. so for example with limited attention span screen time this next generation what is it how are we going to actually engage them in the coaching process Mm. and i do a number of presentations especially on gamification yes again it's a buzzword it is um call it what you want maybe it is Mm. a label okay but at the end of the day it's it's a a technique yeah exactly i was gonna say there's i'm I'm quite familiar with it as well and right it is a process to hook hook people in yes and so just for for our listeners i guess a a quick definition that i like to um to use is using game-like thinking game-like mechanics to engage the learner in or in the learning process Mm. And in tennis, for example, well, we... well, just take that further, Emma. Just for those that aren't, aren't aware with the term, uh, specifically, well, my understanding is uh, the the actual technique is taking a video game uh, levels uh, that uh, you've got to stimulate the reward centers of the brain by giving a reward for the first few levels of a game. It's it's quite easy to accomplish. Yes. to get to the end but you get the reward and it hooks you in because you just want to keep chasing the next one and at a certain point in the game you've gone so far you can't turn back uh, because the reward center has been stimulated and so when the complexity goes up what keeps you going is i've got to get that next reward and i'll do whatever it takes, takes. to to get that mm. outcome mm. and so the design the stage design of a game is very deliberate to to satisfy those Absolutely. those reward centers. And in that as well, so I guess the other complexity in what you've said there, um, because the words like reset, unlock, yes, um, level, challenge, reboot, um, is all about success and failure. And and I don't know if anyone's played, um, for example, like um, the gamification, uh, the the role play games or the Call of Duty. Mm. In that game, I mean, you get shot dead within you know the first five seconds, right. and you just you just reboot Regenerate. and you start again, 
right? So the point being is I like it too from a um, from a perspective of experience failure and then just reboot and yeah, then and so, so success failure, success failure and how how you, you know, um, the, the, the tension that lies between those two endpoints yes. of failing and succeeding yes. is a way that we need to engage this next generation. So an example of how that might be applied in sport coaching, say for kids especially who might be new to a sport where you want to hook them in, uh, but that's not quite the love for it. Might not, They're trying it out, yeah? You, I suppose, have to give a relatively quick, easy reward to get them motivated Absolutely. and get them in. Is there some examples yeah, there? Yeah, some that just come to the top of my mind is, is something like a pyramid rally. So if you and I are rallying, first yep. I've got to, um, like, say, um, touch the ball once, you've got to touch the ball once, that's a rally of two, yep. and then we actually stop the ball. Yep. Rather than saying, let's have a rally of ten, yep. we get to level two, for example, and then we get a peg and we move it one rung up on the net. Yeah. Okay, now two plus two is four. So yep. now we have to have a rally of four before we move the peg up the net again. Yeah. Or we move a cone in up a ladder, yep. uh, the, the, the foot, uh, like a footwork ladder. Yep. Um, and then let's say any of us hit the ball into the net, we start again. Yeah, yeah, or we sure. start the level again. Yep. So our, our score reboot, Reset. resets. Yeah, re- yep. So there's a classic example, and a lot of coaches will say, oh, I want you to have a rally of 50 balls. Mm. You know, we're not doing anything until you get 50. You're better off doing a rally of 2, 4, 6, 8, 9, 10, sorry, yeah. um, 8, 10, 12, and then back down 10, 8, 6, 4, 2. Yeah, sure. And, and pyramid, because that's more realistic mm. of the length of rallies that you might see in, in a tennis match. But then taking, you could do things, for example, like you go 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, but then go to 16 or 18. At a certain longest. point, have a leap, have, have quite a leap, a leap and, sure. and raise the bar, which you might not do every time. But yep. you, know, but you could raise that. the bar also then in tempo, in speed of speed of the rally. So yeah. trying to get it in a quicker time. What, talk, 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 tell me about a gamification principle in, in the, you know, um, Bill refers to the adult learning, the adult learning yeah. world. Well, what, so, what's something you might use? I actually use a very specific uh, process with uh, my measurement model, which is assessment of staff interactions with customers and it's a checklist with roughly about 15 elements for any uh, customer service or sales interaction and within of those 15 behaviors that I, I um, uh, assess for for my clients um, there's about three of those that are actually good starting points they're the easier easier ones. So when you're coaching a staff member for the first time who's never been introduced to this before, you give them, of the three, you give them the two basics ones, which is as simple as the greeting of a call and how you finish a call. So it's like, welcome to Simon Blair Enterprises. You're speaking with Simon. How can I help you? Can you do that with energy? Say the words, tick that box, give them that achievement. At the end of a call, thank the customer show some appreciation, uh, tick that box. But then the third one is something a little bit little bit harder, um, but still relatively straightforward once you show them the technique, etc. cetera. And I, because it has a, and that is you actually get them to ask a question at the end of a call of a customer to get feedback. So I just want to make sure you're comfortable with what we've gone through today. Is it an example of that? And because it actually throws the customer a bit, 
it's not something that's quite easy, doesn't need a lot of development, a lot mm. of training, a lot of coaching. You get them to execute it, but it actually shifts very significantly the responses you get from customers, especially if it's a call center staff member that's, you know, through repetition, they hear the same thing, same sort of responses day in, day out. They get an immediate noticeable um, response. And I suppose it hooks them in because they've got the direct feedback and seen it for themselves rather than me going, just telling them this is the benefit you'll get. They actually experience it firsthand and that hooks them into something then for round two, you know, the next stage of development, which is introducing more challenging, complex uh, behaviours that require a bit more training and development over time and practice to get right. But it's that preliminary sort of step where I tend to borrow, I suppose, that similar uh, process from the early stages of gamification, of uh, giving them reward reward for effort so it's a little bit of effort for a very noticeable reward and that tends to make the next stage of development that much easier so because let's be honest we have gone through a bit of a phase where everyone gets a trophy oh, yes and everyone gets a ribbon and you know you and i are of a similar generation where yep. that definitely did not happen no and so to us, that feels like a bit almost repulsive. Yeah. When we see it and we Absolutely. see it. Not in, everyone can win. <laughs> you know, um, and I think also sometimes yeah. even uh, this relates a little bit to the episode we had with Shelley around um, uh, um, 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 oh, where, the, where if the parent's not getting what they want from the lesson, so yes. if the coach isn't saying your child's fantastic, your child's fantastic, yeah, yeah. they'll go to the next coach until yeah. that coach doesn't say your child's fantastic, your child's, yeah. and they'll go to the next coach. Until and often the people that have had, you know, oh, yeah, I've actually had eight coaches yes. or they've been shopping around, oh, yeah. sorry, they've, they've moved around. Yes. Uh, often I see that mm. as um, we have to be mindful of that in this next generation because I think mm. too often parents will make excuses for kids especially in, in my, well, my industry yeah. where if just, you know, instead of owning poor behaviour or owning behaviours that, um, that, that we want to see. Mm. So actually, again, goes back to my whole coaching philosophy would be about rather than tell kids what they're doing wrong, let's, let's focus on the behaviours that, that, we, that we're after. Yeah. What is it that we want? Yeah. And then how do we use the reward system in a, mm. um, in a positive way yet still have them experience failure? So part of that, it's like playing to your strengths. Focus on the strengths, the things they can execute, and even with a bit of challenge, but they can do it. And and that, yeah, it's it's the, especially with kids. I, th I think especially with kids. But it's it's funny as you're talking there, and I'm here. I'm you know the last couple of seasons of being getting into football with my girls and seeing some of the behaviours that just happen in sporting clubs and footy clubs in particular because they're quite large. They're big teams, lots of numbers, therefore lots of parents. And a, and a coach, yeah, and maybe an assistant. Uh, so it amplifies that challenge um, when there's just so many participants involved. And so you get to see, you know, it's rare, but it's still there. The two out of 20 parents that decide to, that their kid's not getting enough time on the, on the field or they should be played in certain positions, they crack it. And they end up leaving and taking their kid leaving to another the club. club and, Absolutely. You know, and because they don't have a perspective on it. And it's all about mm. the parent and what the mm. and the poor kids get get sucked into this sort of uh, process as well. So. They do. And I think that's what Bill's really bringing this up is you can almost hear it in his voice. He's He's got that, um, you know, uh, a bit of a fear factor around you know, kids of tomorrow, like this 
how yeah. are we going to keep staying ahead of the curve yeah. of of learning? You know, when we hear stats like they're going to have up to thirteen different careers, not not just no, jobs. Right. I'm not just talking about jobs within the industry. I mean, I've probably had thirteen different jobs within tennis, but certainly within careers. So it's about, I think, for adults, for for kids, for coaches, for, coaches, for, for ourselves, creating an environment where change is inevitable. Change is the constant. And be flexible. And be flexible and where you be comfortable with being uncomfortable and you're comfortable with just change. Uh, and, the, and the sooner you can embrace that, I think the sooner psychologically all of us can uh, pr- focus on practical methods and technique and, uh, and that sort of thing. And I, and I suppose the, the world has shifted and so you see it in a lot of different sports, very quick you know, where it might take have taken 20 or 30 years in tennis for certain things to evolve, you know, some big things, but but then suddenly it accelerates, you know. Change can be can take off and then, uh, you know, uh, that becomes the norm. You know, I don't know. Is there any examples in the professional game at, at, at the moment where it's just things are just rapidly evolving and rapidly changing and where it's very, very different to what it was even five mm. years ago? Oh, definitely. You know? Definitely. Um, I think it, it's it, the nature of the modern world, I think. So. It is. And, and if we look at tennis... The, the Hot Shots program, for example, here in Australia, modified equipment, modified, you know, yeah. we've only been really in operation around eight years, eight to ten years. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm scarily excited, if that's even a word, scary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scarily excited about the next, the future generation of champions because their athleticism is going to be off the off the charts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we even see it in, in football, you know, the, yeah. the rucks are not just, it's not just that that's my job now. Mm. It's it's the ruck, ruckmen are agile and can yeah. play up forward. They just and break all the rules. Break all the rules. The and way it's been done before, just yeah. then someone comes in. So and... I think that's that's the big key and I think that's why I'm, um, a lot of my work is geared towards mindset and, mm. uh, you know, because that's something still that people need help with. They, they We're still going to have fear mm. around matches. So while I think athleticism is going to continue to just get better and better and mm. better and these next champions, are, you know, you're going to be, how did they get to that ball? But the mindset stuff is the the one thing that I still is one of our biggest limiting. Yes, got to be open, yes. open to change and receptive to new things. Yes. So I suppose one of the things to finish with, and I've just thought of it then, is maybe in relation to when we talk about kids and technology and even adults with our addiction to screens and you know, Phones, being bombarded yeah. by just information and how quick that is, there is the opportunity as coaches, I think, to embrace the technology. Absolutely. To actually use it to your advantage. And I think that's where we're seeing some of the quite radical leaps and transformation in business, in sport, is when analytics, you know, the ability to – you see it in AFL or coaches that now on the field with the iPad watching the video of what happened 15 minutes earlier in the halftime break or quarter-time break – so there's a visual reference rather than words and, you know, the classic mm. footballer who's just, they're, they're just focusing on recovery. Yeah, can't <laughs> and hear the they can't, They're not processing the detail and the complexity that a coach, it's easy for the coach, you know, they're, they're, they're just observing. That's their, their role. But so I think use of technology is something that maybe uh, if you've been resistant to it, maybe look at it as it can be your ally. So Yeah, I think... Um, two things spring to mind there: the, the art and science of coaching. So I'm I'm big into into both. Yeah. Um, but I, I hope that what we don't see in the future is that the science overtakes the art. Mm. Uh, the art for me is the yeah. way that you know the coaching getting the message across. And the other thing, the self reflection thing for me is what you just said. Then embracing technology because it is my one of my biggest areas for development. 
Yeah, yeah. And I still use a paper diary, for example. Yep. And I'm trying to, I'm, and I'm in the middle of the shift. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost like I need to to just break free of the, the paper diary and just totally embrace because I'm doing both. At the moment, yeah. I'm doing double entry. Well, I'd only say, all right, right okay, so that's inefficient. Mm-hmm. But I think you only need to change if the old way just isn't cutting it anymore. So if it still works for you, but if it's actually an inhibiting thing, it's as in from a scheduling perspective and keeping yourself organised and, mm. you know, I'd say that's – I wouldn't automatically say just because it's not a modern thing, it's automatically not the right well, that's thing true. to use. That's a good point. Um, well, then- you, you have to actually look at it and say, is this, is, is this limiting me in some way? Could, it, could I be more effective, more efficient if I made the switch? And if the answer is a clear, definitive yes, then absolutely invest in it. But otherwise, go with what you know. So it's not yeah. an automatic just switch to technology. And I suppose that's true for everything, isn't it? You've got to – and Find different works. people will, will – mm. and different coaches and different people you're coaching will respond to different stimuli. So. And great coaches still handwrite programs. Some yep. amazing coaches absolutely. I know in the fitness world because it is all tailored to – no one, there's no one size that fits all. Yeah, yeah. But you know, we see these franchises, and it is one mm. size fits all. So, but I think if if we could just finish by saying um, the importance of say a mentor or coach in predicting the future. In mm. if you want to know more about kids or gamification or what whatever age group you're working with, you want to become an expert in that in that field. Then keep up your education, keep totally. up your CPD, grab a mentor, grab someone that's. We, there's no excuse. Talk about technology. You don't need actual physical mentors. It's all there. It's out there. You it's can available. find it. And that's uh, that's the massive shift for society is now the access we have to information has never been greater. And that can be a curse but can also be a massive advantage if you just make conscious choices to tap into it. Um, so, but, yeah, it takes all forms and but it's, as we like to talk about, there's no definitive answers. It's just... But it's food for thought and um, maybe hopefully this discussion. And thank you, Bill. It's actually stimulated some ideas for individuals and different ways of thinking. Yeah. Thank you, Bill, for everything you do. And, you know, you're larger than life. And I just really want to say how grateful I am for your friendship and your support. Whenever I come to the States, it's uh, it's like seeing a long lost friend. Mm. And um, if you can have that in a work colleague and... You know, it's amazing what what things can open up for you, and yeah. and certainly through my relationship with Bill, opportunities have um have come about, and um absolutely. And I'd thank you. and I'd like to add from what I've referenced through this session. If you're not even a tennis person, but follow Bill, connect with him, check out his content. So whatever field or or area of business or sport you're in, uh, I think you can. Uh, there's a lot you can learn just from the activity. And and the the, the way the, and, the, and the variety the of of yeah. stuff that he that he puts out. So well done, Bill. And uh, I'll thanks. see you in the states again soon, buddy. Thanks, thanks for coming to Melbourne too. <laughs>
The Coaching Podcast is proudly brought to you by Five Degrees, Australia's number one in quality monitoring and coaching for contact centres. And thanks to emmadoyle.com.au, speaker, mentor and performance coach. My name's Jane Yield, producer for The Coaching Podcast. Thanks for listening.